Hi, and welcome to episode 328 of No Crying in Baseball, the fly-by-night episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. How are you doing? I'm, I'm okay. I think I have a little allergy thing, so if I sound sultry again, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's it's not the beer goggles for your ears. It's um, it's a little bit of, you know, it's fall. Yeah, that's that's actually why Mr. Potty Mouth went running out and why I wasn't so concerned about this, like, trip to the drugstore. It was because he needed allergy medicine. I don't think we should be sharing that kind of medical information (laughs) about other people on the podcast. Yeah, well, there was a moment where we were running down the stairs to watch baseball, and he said he needed to go pick up something at the drugstore, and I was not – or it it sounded even worse than that, didn't it? I just – I don't think it sounded bad at all. And all of a sudden, you were very concerned, yet running away from the situation. Right, exactly, exactly. So, Wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well. So much more than we need to know. Right. Sorry. Hey, so our corrections department apparently was in, in like full <laughs> gear this past week. Yeah, mine was, well, I corrected myself right when I was editing, when I realized that when I was talking about the Venezuelan League last year, last year, last week, I mentioned Cesar Hernandez without mentioning his name. I just mentioned his play and his number. And you put his name in the notes. And so like you corrected me probably without even realizing it. Wow, I mm-hmm. have superpowers. Mm-hmm. How about that? I was um, thank thank you to our intern for when I was struggling for the name Kumar Rocker, reminded me of course after the show because you know it's the corrections department that what right. I meant was Kumar Rocker and I'm blame the immaculate grid because I had just used John Rocker oh. as an answer and so when we I was trying to pull Kumar Rocker I'm like no it can't be Rocker because like that that's John Rocker that's. That's not right. But um, thank you. Thank you, intern. Right. Thank- I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for the intern. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Junior Potty Mouth, for that. On today's show, our boyfriends include mainly gloves and bats. We've got knives and bugs. We have manager Hunger Games, not my name for it. We've got international baseball from the Dominican Republic to Uganda, and we've got more rockers in baseball. Cheers. You can't have it too many rockers. Well, that's what you said, and so I've been inspired by that whole situation. <laughs> hey, so, uh, you know, we've got more awards to talk about. Oh, you, d- we shouldn't introduce the beer. What are we drinking? What are we drinking? We're, We're drinking Bat. Is it Bat? Yep, Black Flag Brewing Company. They're in, where are they? They're in Maryland somewhere. Yeah, they are. They're in Columbia, Columbia, Maryland, and they have, uh, this is leftover Halloween beer, believe it or not, a hazy I can't, IPA. I have a bone to pick with saying leftover beer. <laughs> it's just beer. Right, that's true. It's just beer. It's just, um, It was thematic. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's still thematic because it says bat. Yes, and it's right. a bat made out of a hop, so it's, um. A hop. It's a, a hop. Hot bat. <laughs> right wow. Upside down hot wow. Bat. This is a visual joke. It's not right. going to translate so we're very gonna, well, but that's okay. We're going to go from bats to bats and talk about silver sluggers. How about that for a transition? Nice. Well done. All right. Well done. Silver sluggers and golden glove awards. Because last week when we recorded, it was right before the golden gloves were were announced, right? Yeah. And a couple days before um, silver sluggers. So we talked our, about our silver sluggers of Boston Award or something. <laughs> I mean, you just really went full on Massachusetts there. I've been listening to Bill Burr's podcast way too much. It's very nostalgic for me. I love his accent, which apparently comes out once in a while when I'm not looking and so it's drinking not just some his beer. Accent, then. right? Okay, got it. I love our accent. All right, hmm. so gold gloves. Gold gloves. Gold gloves. So we talked about last week how we have our our baseball boyfriends. We say this every week. They're the guys that we are about to start picking again. One guy per team because there's something cool about them. And so then we like to brag about them when they do something cool because we, you know, picked them for the year. So we had a whole bunch that basically everybody who's nominated has been one of our boyfriends at some point. But our this year's crop <laughs> um, did pretty well. So for me, for the gold glove, um, Nathaniel Lowe uh, on the Rangers and Stephen Kwan from the Guardians both got gold gloves, which 
it, you know, to get to two boyfriends succeeding in one year is a good thing. Um, and a little bit of a mention to a previous boyfriend, this one of the special ones, Mauricio Dubon. I picked him when he was on the Giants, but um, now on the Astros and got a gold glove for utility, which I think is a cool. Yeah, I really like yeah. that they did that. And it's just make continues to make him a first in so many ways for Honduran player. He's actually the second Honduran player to play in MLB, but the first didn't have any kind of achievement like playing in a World Series or getting a gold glove. And so, you know, hat tip to Mauricio Dubon. Plus, he's, he's just adorable. Um, on the Silver Slugger side, Julio Rodriguez. I picked appropriate timing, got a Silver Slugger. And a little bit of relief that Rafael Devers, although not a boyfriend, not going to be a boyfriend, unfortunately, but although he chews too much tobacco, honestly, to be my boyfriend. He really, I, you know. One of our um, screening tools is somebody I'd like to hang out with Mm -hmm. and maybe have a beer with. And probably you would not enjoy having a beer with somebody who was chewing that much tobacco. No, it's pretty gross. But, you know, he's a Red Sox. He's doing well. And he got the Red Sox on the board. So I was just happy to see Red Sox up there for something good, you know, at the end of this season. And then I think for the first time, so usually at this point of the show, I say, and then we found out about the platinum platinum gloves. And why don't I ever know about this in advance? Because it's supposed to be a, um, you know, fan vote. Yeah. One of those things, fan vote. And I always forget to vote. I got to vote twice. It was it was like an all-star thing where I could have voted every day, but I don't think I found out or remembered or whatever <laughs> early enough. Um, but I got two votes in, and I feel like my vote, at least one of them made a difference. I don't think – I might have voted for Jimenez in one of them. Um, and then National League, Fernando Tatis Jr., I did vote for, I think, just once, though, because, you know, we had so many guys that we like up there. And for Tatis, the cool thing is on the um, – NL side, so where he got the 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 glove, he is the first outfielder to get that award since the platinum glove started in 2011. Now, since the platinum glove started in 2011, it's been pretty dominated on the NL side. Four times Yadier Molina, past boyfriend of mine. Six times Nolan Arenado, another past boyfriend of mine. I guess I, I appreciate the, the sexy defense. Uh, plus Anderson Simmons. Oh, my God. And Anthony Rizzo. Both of those I had chosen, too. And Tatis, too. You know, now I remember saying this last year. So don't, you know, for those of you who are, like, super faithful <laughs> listeners, you, you might remember that. But I just added to it because Tatis is also a prior pick of mine. So now I can say that all the National League Platinum Glove winners have been potty mouth approved. They That's excellent. Potty mouth stamp of approval. Seal of approval. There yeah. you go. I like it. I like it. Um, Hassan Kim was my San Diego boyfriend this year. He is the first infielder of Asian descent to win a Gold Glove. He won as a utility wow. player, which again, as you said, is you know kind of a new award there. So um, Ichiro is the only other Asian-born player in MLB to have won a Gold wow. Glove. Of course, now he was an outfielder. That seems remarkably small. There are not that many that are playing at that level, which is kind of a big deal. So we talked about this before with Hassan Kim and how important he is to to representation of Korean ballplayers. Yeah. Because there's so so few that have been, have made it quite that big. He had played, so as far as the utility player situation, he played, started 98 games at second base, 29 at third, 16 games at shortstop. He was also a gold glove finalist. At, for, at second base. He was the only one, too, who had the double, right? I think Dubon was only um, under a utility, not an outfield. 
Possibly so. He was also um, to show uh, some range. He was also a finalist for the National League Silver Slugger Award, which is wow. pretty cool. Three teams had multiple Silver Slugger winners. Atlanta had three, and the mm-hmm. Rangers had two. Both my boyfriends, so it was Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. Nice. And, and I guess I you know, give it up for Baltimore. They were the other team yeah. with two Silver Sluggers, my once and forever boyfriend, um, Adley. And then, of course, also Gunner. So that's pretty exciting. Okay, so you know I do the trivia questions for the Thunderbolts, right? And so I'm probably that's probably going to end up there somewhere. But I'm wondering, do you hmm. think it's too weird to say, okay, what was Patty's favorite sign at a Baltimore game? Film blank. <laughs> Gunner is blank. It could. I don't know. It's like creative responses. I mean, it could be kind of. Do you know what the answer? You know what the answer? Yeah, is. yeah I remember. Well, that. say it. A, a, funner. Gunner is funner. That's and, right. And they even spelled funner like Gunner. See, that's why I would, <laughs> I, I would like that. If if there were multiple funners, I would give the person who spelled it like Gunner. Right. So other boyfriend news. Um, other former boyfriend news. Um, Shohei just donated yeah. sixty thousand youth baseball gloves to elementary schools in Japan. Now this is where it gets. You've seen his, the commercials. Mm-hmm. He represents New Balance. Yeah. New Balance provided the gloves. So did Shohei mm. donate? I mean, maybe he asked for them or maybe yeah. not. But all the everything says, oh, Shohei Otani donated this. Well, I mean, he was the vehicle for which they were presented, but they're all provided. I mean, I'm happy yeah. about it. Or, or maybe they just gave him a really good discount. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm happy about it. But so that they were provided yeah. by New Balance. What I liked was in his announcement of this that I'll be looking forward to sharing the field one day with someone they grew up that using. That is super this sweet. Love, which is cool. On the less happy side for my former Phil's boyfriend, Reese Hoskins, he just got booted because, mm. as you saw towards the end of this past season, yeah. Bryce Harper started playing first base because he's recovering from Tommy John. So they wanted to give him, you know, a position where he he was he did really well. He did really well, but it was less stressful on his arm for his recovery to play uh, first than it was to play outfield. And they just last week said, hey, you're going to be our once and forever first baseman. Sorry, Reese, who missed the entire season. Uh, he was recovering from a torn ACL. He's now a free agent. He would have been free agent okay. regardless. But, but this was the, yeah, we're, this is this is our decision. So, yeah. But I, I mean, so they they signed Harper for like a thousand years, right? So it's in their best interest to have him play a position where he's going to stay healthy yeah. for longer, or the odds are that mm-hmm. he will be healthier for longer if he plays that position. So I get it. I'm just a little sad for I, And and I was really impressed by by Bryce Harper at first during the playoffs. Surprisingly, so I think a lot of even like announcers seem to be like, hey, he's kind he of good at this, right? He's actually yeah. playing. He's not just being stuck there, right? So right. I think that's probably the difference. I don't know. Uh, where is Hoskins going to end up? I'm just like in my brain thinking, where is a good first base landing location? I don't know. Yeah, I know. Um, but Tommy John, speaking of Tommy John surgery, so I was um, negligent in keeping up with one of my baseball boyfriends for this season. And because the surgery happened, you know, when MLB season was still going on, that, that makes me officially negligent. We're supposed to be keeping up on these guys. And I had picked Riley Green, who... On the same day as Jason Dominguez, who's a, a Yankees prospect who hasn't made it yet, they had um, Tommy John surgery, and so uh, it's unclear if it was in the same place or if it was like back to back. Right, yeah. right. The doc just has like the assembly line going through <laughs> or whatever. But I'm hoping because uh, both outfielders, I know Riley Green is that that they'll be back next year with uh, I don't know. Do you get superpowers from Tommy John surgery? Not usually. Okay, it's not like the handmade thing. Nope. 
So uh, Tommy John surgery has become increasingly popular. I saw this uh, tweet by MLB. Popular or necessary? So that's the question. That's exactly the question. I don't know. Let me let me read the numbers right. and then you tell me like why why. So um, this is MLB player analysis and that's it. There's no is on the end of analysis, but on X Twitter whatever said that. So it's starting in 2016. It, well, it took a little dip, and then it just kept climbing. So 2016, 27.4%, and then, I don't know, jump in the middle, 19, 30.8%. And then so far, and, you know, people are still announcing in 2023 up to 35.5%. So over, I don't know, at least, you know, the past five years, it's been 7% increase. So... Was so, it yeah, so that's, popularity that's, or necessary? Right. That's one of those questions like, okay, are we just diagnosing it more? Right. Or are we are pitchers throwing so much harder than they used to that they right. it ha, they is required more because they are becoming injured more often? Yeah, I don't know the yeah. answer to that. I don't I don't even have dinner with somebody who can tell me the medical information. Yeah, I would I mean because the two guys I just mentioned, Riley Green and Jason Dominguez are both uh, you know, fielders. But but you're right. The the great like huge majority is pitchers. Yeah. So it's a li- that is a little scary. Is it like <laughs> I don't know? Is it you know that pitchers are overtraining or that we're doing this weird, you know, medical intervention can make you better? How is that different than steroids? If you get to that point, like could they have? I yeah, don't know. See, I don't know that it, that it can make you better. It's, it's a, just oh, I we're now knowing to look for this. That this yeah. is really what what it is, and here's how we can attempt to fix it. Because it's not a sure thing at right. all. Right. I mean, look at Strasbourg, for gosh sakes, oh right? God. I mean, it's not a sure thing ever. Right. Yeah. Although, although there's so many that, like, you know, have this amazing bounce back, like Tommy John himself. Um, you know, that's. Yep. Oh, well, boy. Bryce Harper did okay. That's right. There's a non-pitcher coming back, right? Yeah. He booted Reese. Or, never mind. Okay. Hey, more health reports. Excellent. We told you last week that this week was going to be the, the GM meetings. It was. But they got cut a little short because of a stomach bug the first day tuesday of the general manager meetings 30 of the 300 attendees quick what's that percentage uh the the 10 percent good (laughs) yeah math teacher right percent of the attendees were sick the very first day and even more on wednesday so they cut the last day of the general Before manager meetings. Everybody killed over. <laughs> there were, um, there were there, the agent meetings were going to be on Thursday. Those were done by Zoom. But there was a lot less news that was generated. I was like, why aren't we hearing more out of the general manager? Well, because there wasn't an, as much meeting huh. as usual there. So stomach bug. I don't know. That that makes me wonder, is it something that they were served? Or is it, it just not. a bug they, that they went They initially through? thought it was something that they okay. were served. But then they realized other people who did not have that meal because initially people were like okay i'm not i'm not right. eating in this, this place anymore <laughs> um and one of the things that i read had very detailed information about the kind of virus and uh, how mm. what the symptoms are and i am not going to share that with you because i don't Thank know if you. you're eating or drinking at this point but you don't want to know you don't want to know the owners meetings are coming up next week and i mentioned mm. that because the oakland mayor wrote to 15 of the owners. There's 30 teams. I don't know why she chose 15 or how she chose 15. Apparently, they were a mix of big market and small market teams. She wrote to them to detail why they should vote down the proposed move of the Oakland A's to Vegas. Really? The owners are going to have a vote at some point during their meetings, and it has to be three quarters of the owners voting for the move to approve it, to make it happen. 
So she sent this letter to 15, not to 30. Wow. I don't know why. Explaining in economic terms why it's not a good idea. Part of the economic term is where Oakland is willing to pony up this much money, mm-hmm. which is way more than Vegas is going to pony up, but also because of fees that might be um, be eliminated, or oh, we're going to like forgive that fee, we're not going to charge mm-hmm. you this if you move, or um, expansion team fees. Like if, if Vegas was an expansion as opposed to a move, there would be more fees paid, so there, there would be more money to the owners instead of the owners losing money. So she's appealing to capitalism. Wow. So all these things. Also, she sent swag. So, so these 15 <laughs> owners, she sent um, stay in Oakland swag, hats and things, and made personalized baseball cards wow. for those 15 owners. Now, if you were one of the 15 owners that didn't get that swag bag, wouldn't you say, well, screw you, I'm voting against you? I'm wondering if there was some, I don't know if you're allowed to do this, like back, back behind the scenes discussions. Like she knew that these were the 15 owners that she had to target because there were some of the other ones she knew there was no way and some of the other ones she already like had to deal with. And so, you know, there's only so much swag to go around. Well, and, and she only needs to convince swag. a quarter of them yeah. to vote against it. So I guess, I guess the, um, she was, maybe, maybe she was really good with the numbers. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So I'm we'll, giving her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we'll know soon what the owners feel about mm. this potential move. Of, Holy shit. Which sounded so much like a done deal, but the more yeah. I think about it, I like, well, I don't know. Vegas is not really putting up an equivalent amount of cash and also goodwill. Huh. It's Imagine lack of goodwill in Vegas. Now, Shocking. Now, now, <laughs> now, now. Sorry. Um, so, well, okay, so here, thank you. We're going to lead right into lack of goodwill. <laughs> okay. Right now. So one of the uh, current manager referred to some of the recent changes in who's managing what team as manager Hunger Games. Ooh. Because so, this one particular one got weird. It yeah. got weird in a surprising way. Raise your hand if you saw David Ross being fired coming. He did not see this coming on uh, Tuesday. Uh, Monday, sorry, Monday, Craig Council was announced as the manager of the Chicago Cubs, who already had a manager. His name is David Ross. You might remember him. Such <laughs> things as, you know, World Series and whatnot. Uh, so they hired Council and then they fired David Russell. There's a a thousand things to talk about here. I'm going to narrow it down to like maybe two. He's council signed a contract for $40 million over five years, which is the highest paid MLB manager in history wow. by a boatload, by so very much. And this may be good for like, you know, raising yeah. manager salaries across the board. Maybe. So we'll talk about that in a second. But also, should he have taken, as a manager, should he have taken a job that was currently filled by another manager? Isn't that kind of a gross thing to do to your colleague? I mean, it's happened before. Yeah. The Cubs have done it before. Right. But it's really rare. The Athletic interviewed a huh. bunch of current managers, all anonymous, and some of them said, wouldn't have done it because somebody's really? in it. Somebody's wow. in that job. If that job were open, sure. And yay for like asking for and getting paid for your job because that's kind of... Awesome. Here's how they kept it secret. Craig Council only met with the Cubs president, Jed Hoyer. That was it. He only met with Hoyer as opposed to come, let's wine and dine you and tour you around. He never went to the Cubs offices. This was so on the down low. So they came to an agreement on Sunday. Hoyer hopped a plane to Florida to go visit David Ross to talk to him in person. He talked to him in person. So like half credit for that. It's still crappy. 
Yeah. It's still crappy. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? At the time, after he had this, the after Council had this interview with Hoyer, he then interviewed with Guardians and he interviewed with the Mets. Mets were sounding like more of a possibility, but Council's got sons who are currently in college playing college ball at University of Minnesota and at Michigan. So staying in Chicago is was good for him mm-hmm. for being close to his kids to be able to, like, you know, spend some time. So great for him. Super great for him. But... So the Mets hired Carlos Mendoza for $4.5 million for three years. Now, granted, he's got almost no experience. He's never been a hmm. manager before. And Craig Council is a very well-respected manager. He's great. Everyone says he's a terrific guy. Yes. He's a really good manager. But $4 million over three years versus $40 million over five, that's like the, the inequity is so... <laughs> So big there. And how high, I mean, I should should look this up. How high has Council gotten into the playoffs? He hasn't managed a team to like the World Series. He's, no, he's not right? been to the, right. And that's that's something that they talk about. But one of the things they talk about with him is how well he's done in a sort of a, a lower market situation. So huh. Still. One, one of the managers that the Athletic talked to, they asked questions about, okay, so is this historic salary that he's getting really going to make a difference? For other managers, right. one people I talked to was saying it's really hard as a manager to ask for more money because there's always somebody else ready to hop in. So if you make a wave, you're out, you don't get the money. He said, I think the only time it would really change is if people really roll the dice and say, I think I'm worth more than that and take the risk. But there's always someone willing to take your job. We really need to unionize. Wow. But look at how long it took the minor league players to form a union. It's still a culture of, quote, be glad you have a job. Wow. For context, World Series winner Bruce Bochy earns about half of what council really? just signed as a contract. <gasps> Back to David Ross, who, as everyone says, is just one hell of a guy. And we tend yeah. to believe that for sure when asked about, hey, you just got the rug pulled out from under you. He said, if my boss doesn't think I'm a good manager, then he should move on. I don't fault him for that. Oh, man. If he doesn't think I'm the right guy, that's his job. That's his choice. I have my own thoughts and opinions that I will keep to myself. It just, it, his... Um... I don't know, memoir, autobiography thing that, that came out that just covers his baseball years t- is is called the title's teammate. And he talks about how he had to learn to become a, a good teammate. In in his early years, he realized in hindsight, and it was pointed out to him, and I can't remember who did it, but he was not doing good teammatey things. And then he prioritized that. And he made that kind of his style, like to be that guy, to be okay being a second string catcher, which is what he mm-hmm. finally had to like sort of suck up and say, all right, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it really well. And so I think that was like his thing taking on, you know, into being a manager, like part of a team, part of everybody. And so that makes it even harder. I don't know. And that feeds in beautifully to why Stephen Vogt was just named the manager of the Cleveland Guardians. Okay, I did that. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that. And Stephen Vogt was, in fact, the backup catcher for Oakland. Wow. Very, very recently. He's replacing Terry Francona, who was the longest tenured manager in the league at the time. Beloved, They are very different in a couple of ways, and they are so much alike in a couple of ways. Stephen Vogt is 39. He retired a year ago. He was the least experienced manager of everybody that Cleveland interviewed. Cleveland front office talked to Francona. They talked to Tito and said, what do you think is important? And they listened to him. Chris Antonetti, the president of Baseball Ops for 
for the Guardian says that some of the things that impressed them about Stephen Vogt was he's a great teammate and his ability to build relationships. He said Stephen has a unique blend of self-confidence and humility, right? So with Seattle for his last season, he was um, he was a bullpen coach. This was like after he retired for that year, he spent it as a bullpen coach. That was like it for formal paid sort of managing experience. That's the sum total. When he was out for an injury in 2018, he basically interned with Craig Council. He's like, I want to learn more about managing. So he's he sort of apprenticed with Craig Council wow. and his coaching staff while he was injured. Wow. Craig Council and Stephen Vogt were the top two candidates That's crazy. for the Cleveland gig. And Stephen Vogt ended up with it. But his player experience is so wide and varied that he can relate to everyone. So he played for six teams in 10 years. He was an all-star twice. He's also been like sent down a couple of times, right? He hmm. has played winter ball. He's had to sit out because of injuries. When he was first with the Tampa Bay Rays, apparently he won the spring training talent show every <laughs> do you know, year. Do you know what he did? Um, sometimes he sang. Sometimes he did wow. his Chris Farley impression, which apparently <laughs> floors everybody because it's so good. And I can't see so, it. So they interviewed, you know, guys that he played with then, you know, at, at the beginning of his career. He said he won everybody over that he's ever worked with. He's engaging, but everybody also respects him. So apparently he's hilarious in the Tito way and also earns the respect of people in the huh. Tito way. And in his own words, he said, I've been released. I've been traded. I've been the worst player in baseball. I've been wow. one of the best players in baseball. I've been a prospect. I've been a nobody. You name it. So no matter who walks through the doors of that clubhouse, I feel like I know where they're at and I can relate to him. Hmm. And then he said he had a conversation with Tito before he accepted the job. And he said, he's such an unbelievable human being and he just confirmed everything I was feeling about the Guardians people. Those uh, are my questions. I didn't ask him any baseball questions. I asked him about people and he confirmed everything that I was feeling. And he said, I've always kind of had the dream, so it's been a pretty fun day today. Wow. So I like that's a really happy new right. manager story. So I hope that um, I wish him well because it's one of my teams for one thing. And also, he just seems like if we had manager boyfriends, he'd be right up there. Yeah. Because he's just that guy who understands that it's a game, but it's important and it's people's lives. And those relationships are the thing that really makes the difference. I'm really glad that you pointed out the the sort of similarities between them and how this really like flows well for the Guardians because you know at, at face value it looks like you're you're going from this very experienced old manager to this new super young guy mm -hmm. and that seems like a big change but everything that you just said makes it sound like maybe you know culturally it won't be. And, and yeah and, and the guards decided that the culture was super important. Yeah. Because it That's was so cool. well established by Terry Francona that they didn't want to lose that. They're also carrying over a whole lot of their coaching staff. So there will be that mm -hmm. continuity as well. So I'm happy about that. But I'm really pretty excited to see what Stephen Vogt can do. Yeah, I liked listening to him. He's very energetic. He's super positive and yeah. very confident. And yeah. that's what you need. All right, uh, I guess I'll go back to old guys now. So I lucked out this past week and just happened to turn on Lead On when it was Nelson Cruz's very last game. Can you explain game. To, the, to the peanut gallery what Lead On is? Yes, we're, I'm going to be talking a lot more about Lead On in the next couple of minutes. That is the Dominican League, the Dominican Winter League. Um, and Nelson Cruz from the Dominican Republic played in Lead On in his very, very early days, pre-MLB, and then a little bit during and is um, just finished his farewell tour. And you talked about last week how he's 
retired. He just really recently mm-hmm. retired, uh, announced his retirement from MLB. So for him to go right from announcing his MLB retirement into his retirement um, tour, whatever he played. Farewell tour. Yeah. He played in, in once in every stadium with the Gigantes de Cibao, but as they, they, they organized things specially so that he could play in every stadium and then just call it a day and do a little bit of a farewell. So I just, I was not keeping track of what day it was, despite, you know, I mentioned these dates very clearly. They're last week or the week before. This past Wednesday was his very last game at Cibao. He played for uh, Gigantes de Cibao. And the win- the um, the current champions, Tigres de Licey, were at Cibao for his last game. And I turned it, I was excited and I turned it on. It was like the first inning. And I was so disheartened because I looked at the the stands and it was like empty. I was like, how can this be? And he comes up to bat for the first time and there's like a smattering in the crowd. And I I totally was was dumbfounded until the crowd filled in a couple innings later. Apparently it's like a very Dominican, uh, this is what it looks like, Dominican style. You just don't come to much on time, including baseball games. But it was packed by the end, like packed and enthusiastically. And it was definitely, you know, farewell, I guess, farewell tour sort of in the in the showman kind of sense, like not just he did well, actually, in every game except for his last one. Um, But he was mic'd up. So he was mic'd up when he was in the dugout, like before he came out. But he was mic'd up while he was batting. And it was <laughs> so – he did not get a hit but in that at-bat. And he, and he did walk once that game. He didn't get a hit at all in his last game. But it was kind of cool to hear him talking about stuff. And they had all sorts of, like, you know, special things going on. So Luis Arraez had come in, you know, um, former Marlins, now Twins, you know, batting champion. And he was in the booth between – no, throughout the play. And actually, while Nelson was mic'd up a little bit – and just talked really sincerely about the impact, even though he's Venezuelan Dominicans, and, and Nelson's Dominican, the impact that Nelson Cruz had on him and on so many other players. And he felt like it was important enough that he was going to hop down to see his very last game. Super emotional. Um, and he talked about how he's, he feels this connection with Dominican ball anyway. And he mentioned the World Baseball Classic game, too, and that he remembers, you know, playing him there. He And he talked about how key those – those, and we've heard this from a lot of players, how important the WBC was, that just to represent your country and everybody going for it. And, and Nelson was managing the, um, the or general managing the Dominican team. Um, so they waited till the middle of the seventh to have like the ceremony that I think here would happen before the game, <laughs> you know, as oh, far right. as like bringing out the family and all that stuff. So his, his mom came out, <laughs> his wife, his kids. It was like, you know, a big seventh inning stretch with a lot of stuff going on. Um, both uh, Fernando Rodney and Larry Garcia are currently playing, or were currently playing, were currently, that makes no sense. All right, they were on Gigantes de Cibao with Nelson Cruz when he was on it. So they are currently on. They were previously with Nelson on the team. They came out, Luis Arias came out, there were all these like lead on baseball executives came out, lots of gifts. He, I think everywhere he went, he got um, jerseys signed by all the players. Nice. So what like an amazing collection to have. The one thing that kind of blew me away was they gave him a life-size picture of himself. I think it was even bigger than life-size. It was fucking huge. It was just like this huge portrait of him that they brought on the field, but it was a photo. It was him in action 
of a game where he set a Dominican record. It was a game in 2000, in the 2008-2009 season. They were playing against Lise at that time, too, so playing against the same team. And he uh, got the record of RBI in one game for Dominicans with 10 RBI in that one game. Um, and then he spoke. They gave him the mic. He spoke to the crowd. It's all happening during the during the seven-inning stretch. <laughs> yes, it's it was very extended. He was super like teary-eyed, and he thanked San Pedro de Marcoris, which is um, where where Gigantes are are based, and also just a huge birthplace of baseball in, in Dominican Republic, and said that it was like his second home. Um, and said the the quote that really got me was God has given me more than I deserved, more than I had dreamt of. And he was very clear that he's stopping his career, but he's gonna continue giving back. To, you know, you've always talked about all the work that he does in the DR, and that's you know that's what his retirement's gonna be. Um, so it was a six game tour, I think, and the Gigantes with him. He just went on a tear. He was batting three oh eight, two RBI, two walks in the first five games, and then that last game they lost. And I mean, that was a pretty good, good. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, record. Yeah, that. Well, that, well the, when it, something's gone. Uh, oh, yes. You know, that thing. That that thing. Yeah. Right, right. It'll come to me later. An ongoing thing. They were, were five games in a row and then streak. they lost. Was it that, a streak? I think it was a streak. Was it a streak? That was, that was the word. I'm almost at the end of this bat beer. Oh, boy. Um. So, and then Nelson hopped on a plane and made it to New York City for the game that was happening up here. Oh, I missed one important stat that um, Nelson Cruz started in Lidam Le- in 2001 which is the year that my child was born. Both of our children were born. Although, if we're talking about the lead-on season, I guess that would be at the end of the year. So our kids weren't in utero, but they were both baby babies when he started playing baseball. So basically, that they've never been alive without... I want to baby baby, so... Right. <laughs> I, and so I told my kid, I was actually texting with them during this, and I said, "You, this is the first time in your life that Nelson Cruz hasn't been playing baseball. And they were not impressed. But I thought that was a pretty good stat. I'm impressed. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, as long as two of us think it's cool, I think that that's all right. Yeah. And then I blew it because I had wanted in the back of my head to send our kids to go to the lead-on game in New York City that happened this weekend. And then I just got distracted and I didn't. So I'm very sorry, Junior Potty Mouth and Potty Mouth Junior, because it looked like it was a huge party. And so this this just ended today. This is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The um, Aguilas Cibaeñas and the Tigres de Lice were playing at City Field. And it was a record audience for Lidom. And we just heard the numbers downstairs. It was like 25,000 Friday, 33 Saturday, and 35 Sunday, something like that. A, a whole bunch of thousands of people that don't fit in Lidom stadiums. So like by definition, and because the only other time that they've played in the US was in Miami, which is smaller, or at least it didn't have as many people. Um, it was the biggest, most attended Lidom games in history. Again, with this first inning thing, though, because I did look at the other day at the first inning. And, and there was nobody. There was nobody there. there. Yeah. Okay. Then, then uh, you know, it got bigger. But when I saw the first inning clip, it was on a, um, a post somewhere, a recording or something like that, because I didn't think I could actually see the games because they weren't on MLB TV, which seems weird because MLB TV is carrying lead on. So why wouldn't they carry the city field one? And I saw Infield Fly Girl having a very... Uh, pu- uh, public back-to-back with MLB because they wouldn't admit it. Like, they, they wouldn't just come out and say, we are not showing it. It was just very double-speaky. Um, but it turned out that 
it was on YouTube. So I, you know, just found it today. And so we watched the last couple of innings today and it was super exciting. And the Aguilas Cibaeñas swept the series, which is huge because they're currently in last place. So, and, and the Tigres de Lice. They more fan support, apparently, because they do well in front of the crowds. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I think the crowd was pretty divided, but yeah, just like having that big energy, you know, something could be said for that. Um, They also had the best jerseys, I think. They had a very cool jersey with like the New York skyline kind of on the back, but the Statue of Liberty was very detailed. So it wasn't, I don't think it's really how she looks against the skyline, but they had, you know, the special jersey for the event with the patch on the sleeve. But the the skyline bit wasn't on the players' jerseys. It was on like the coaches' jackets or Mm -hmm. whoever wears a jacket, but it was on the stuff that you could buy. So that's another reason why I'm sorry I didn't send our kids. Like it so they could shop for you? Right. That is why? Well, I don't know. It's all right. That's fine. Mm. They know. They understand. Yeah. So it was a big fucking deal. And there were a lot of um, past baseball, baseball boyfriends involved. Uh, so for the Aguilas, so the winners, the ones who swept the series, they had um, Christopher Morell in leadoff, who is my current, well, you know, basically current until I get a new one, a baseball boyfriend from the Cubs, and he scored the first run on Friday. Jonathan Villar, who I picked way back in 2019 with the Orioles, and he actually spent some time on the Mets. He's also on the Aguilas, and he made an important score. And your guy, Daniel Palka, from the um, 2019 White Sox, and actually he was on both the Woo Sox and AAA Mets Syracuse this summer. He's on the Aguilas and Starlin Castro, four-time All-Star. Um, Lise had a former boyfriend of yours, Miguel Andujar, your 20 pick from the Yankees, as well as Francisco Mejia, who is on the Padres, Rays, and Cleveland. Um, just FYI, Starlin Castro is on our Never Gonna Be a Boyfriend Oh, list. shit. Now, well, then I, mean, I shouldn't have even mentioned him. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Scratch Starlin. The, re- the rest of the guys were very nice. Uh, <laughs> on Friday night, lots of people there. So Friday night, the Aguilis won three to nothing with Morel um, with the first hit. The first pitch was the Dominican vice president, who is a woman. So, and I did not, you know, my international relations hat got left on the desk today. I did not look into that more because I'm really fascinated to know about, you know, if that's historic or not. But she and the first lady gave the first pitch, threw it to Big Poppy. Nice. Yeah, the good old David Ortiz. Anytime Big Big Poppy is involved is a good thing. And actually, because of Big Poppy and me following him on Instagram, it seems like there was a post-game concert. I didn't get too many details on that besides he was right in the front yelling to the guy who was singing, which was kind of adorable. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of music, apparently it's okay to bring a trombone into City Field, or at least there were like videos of, of the, you know, I know they have the bands in the stands during Dominican games, the guys with the drums, but there was a trombone. Is that like a regular thing or is this an exception? Know. This is what I want to know. So like we're going to look up the whole Tommy John thing and also the trombone situation. Yeah, like I got to look at the what you can bring into City Field and if trombone fits in there or if it was, yeah, a, an exception. I don't know. Lots of fun stuff happening. Saturday, um, Aguilas actually took a no-hitter into the ninth inning. Got broken up, but they still won three to nothing. And your guy Daniel Palka um, scored the first run on Saturday. The last run was scored by Jonathan VR. And then today, we saw it was a tense game for a little while because the Aguilas were ahead like eight to one, and then Lise was coming back. But I think the final score was nine to six. 
Aguilas Sibayenas to um, finish the sweep. Uh, cool thing about the tickets, I did look into them and they, you know, unfortunately I didn't actually get them nor communicate with the kids. They, they were a little pricey, but a, a portion of those profits went to Sports Dream Foundation, which is a nonprofit that supports youth baseball and related activities in the Dominican Republic and the United States. So at least you can feel good about that part. And then a vocabulary for today that we figured out, uh, the on-deck circle is the circulo de espera, which is the waiting circle, which makes a lot more sense than on-deck circle. Yes? It does, which of course made us go to the Google to mm-hmm. find out why on-deck circle is called the on-deck circle, which is in fact a nautical term because you're on the deck. And I also learned that the player in the hole should technically be in the hold because you're waiting huh. below decks until it's your turn to go on the deck. Um, specifically in the context of aircraft carriers. When it's your turn, you wait in the hold okay. until it's your turn to be next in line to hop on your plane in on the aircraft carrier. But it doesn't say why on deck is on deck to begin with. I, everything else is in relation to being on decks. I don't know. I, I, please give us more information. I if was, you have more information, please please find us. You know how to find us. We'll tell you more later. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I hope that somebody out there has some info on this because I am dying of curiosity, especially because it's like backed up by in the hold. Like, where did this come well, from? Well, yeah, and, and after all of that, I think waiting circle is really yes. pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, super quick, because I know I've talked a lot, especially about international stuff. CPBL, the Taiwanese League, the, the it's over. Uh, the series, the Dragons won in seven. So I'm so sorry, monkeys. They've been so close for so long. But the brand new Dragons that didn't exist when I first watched started watching CPBL has taken the Taiwanese series. Throw your money at U.S. women or people from the U.S. women's uh, national baseball team for doing good things, especially Anna Kimbrell. So I guess four, four years ago, yeah, 2019, four women from USA Baseball went to Uganda to teach girls baseball. And I don't know who hooked up this original one, but it made a really major impact. So the four women who went were Anna Kimbrell, Maggie Mo- and I always mess up her name, Medlinger, Stacy Piagno, and A.J. Hamilton. And they worked in different parts, at least three different departments of the country with girls aged 9 to t- 16 teaching baseball. And what they found, which is fascinating, is that if you get girls involved in sports in school, that they stay in school more. And there's a big problem in especially rural Uganda of girls stopping school because they don't see a reason for continuing in school and working and, you know, and harvesting with the family. But if there's a really solid reason that is keeping them there, so they're using baseball as really improving the the lives of girls and women in Uganda, which is so cool. So the Ugandan Baseball and Softball Association has spreaded a new organization called Baseball at Heart that's focusing on girls' baseball. And there's now girls' baseball leagues in eight regions with over 400 girls playing. So Anna Kimbrell is trying to go back. So she has plans to go back December 1st to the 11th, and she's going to be doing clinics to continue, you know, supporting these girls to play good baseball in seven different regions of the country. So she needs $3,000, and this is not just for her to get there, but it's also for things like meals for the kids and, you know, equipment for the camp and stuff like that. We will link the GoFundMe. Please throw money at them. It would be a good thing. I have a source of money that we could talk about. All right. When 
when our intern pointed out that I it was Kumar Rocker that I was trying to find, and I mentioned also John Rocker, Potty Mouth rightly said, you'd think it would be a good thing to have more rockers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out there's a rocker in baseball that I need to tell you about right now. Getty Lee. <coughs> Potty Mouth just spit water out her nose when I said Getty Lee. He's the 70-year-old oh front man from Rush. Oh, remember him well. I do. Well, and he's, you know what? He's, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? He's in the Rock Hall. And did you know that I, I once watched a, a Rush concert from the from the wings really i did holy shit i did where in san diego of course yes my <laughs> boyfriend at the time had some distant relative who was doing sound or lights or something and he got his passes and so we just kind of that's sat so off stage cool. and yeah so that's my rush story but here's my other rush story getty lee's got some baseball cred mm-hmm. right he is a former season ticket holder for toronto he has sung the national anthem in front of games a baseball announcer once used Fly by night. He actually sang "Fly by Night" as a home run call. Wow! So he's got some cred That's externally. So cool. Also, he is a gigantic collector of baseball memorabilia. Huh? An immense number of things. I'm going to link to this article because I don't even want to start listing all the things that he has because they are stunning and they go back to the beginning of baseball. He is auctioning 300 items from his personal baseball collection. Part of it is that, you know, collections need to be fed. I sort of stopped feeding my baseball <laughs> collection. So if I move these out, I can bring out yet more things that are in storage yeah. and display them. Some of the things that he's – he's got, like, legitimate baseball things signed by baseball people. But he's also got a baseball <laughs> signed by all the members of the Beatles. He oh, my has God. Got several with presidential signatures Holy from ceremonial shit. first pitches, including a couple of them signed by JFK. He's got a Mickey Mantle bat from the 1960 World Series. I mean, he's got stuff. And what he said when asked why he has this collection, he said, if you really look at it from an abstract point of view, it's greed. You want to own the game. He said, you want you want to own a piece of every great player to hold it in your hand. Wow. A, a ball that was signed by Lou Gehrig. It's just become a magnificent obsession yeah. for me. One of, he, he's not giving away anything that he received as a gift. Right. So so people give him things because they know he's a collector. And so he's keeping all of those. He's also he received a ball that had been signed by every member of the 3000 hit club to date. So, you know, know, from the beginning. Right. And he's keeping that up to date. Like there's a photo of him going to uh, with Pujols signing that ball. So he's that's like an an active piece of memorabilia. He just keeps as people reach 3000, he finds them and has them. (laughs) sign this baseball he's been the member of the same fantasy baseball league since the 80s (laughs) my favorite thing in this entire story was in 2008 he bought 200 baseballs autographed by members of the negro leagues and immediately turned around and donated that to the to the negro leagues museum wow which i just love i just love so there are even more rockers than you knew of oh, in man. baseball. So thank you, Getty Lee. You really made me happy. So Mr. Pottymouth was quite the Rush fan, actually, in high school. And did you know that Getty Lee's currently on a book tour? No. So I had I was trying to like beat what Mr. Pottymouth did for me for my birthday, and I couldn't think of anything. And I finally found an event, and I was going back and forth buying the tickets. And right after I bought the tickets, I saw the ad that that same night, um, Getty Lee's having a book thing but at a huge place. I forget which which arena it is, but something rather large. Um, but I was like, fuck. Like, I have just got it? tickets. Is it still coming up? Well, yeah, yeah, it's still coming up. Take a baseball. Have him sign a baseball. Well, well, the thing is, we already have... So now I have tickets to do something else that night. So I had just bought the other tickets, which I'm not saying out loud because it's still a surprise. And on All the, right, let's talk more On later. the case that Mr. Potty Mouth might be... Um, 
listening, but I'm sorry, Mr. Pottymouth, if you would like me to try to get rid of the other tickets so that we can go see Getty Lee's book talk. I think it's like my effing life or something like that. I mean, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> more we go. rockers in baseball. Right. So if you are aware of more rockers in baseball, you should <laughs> definitely let us know who they are. Also, the other thing I did today was I created our schedule so we know when to start talking mm. about new baseball boyfriends for the upcoming season. So ideally, that will start in the beginning of December. So our friends, our listeners, if you have guys that we haven't profiled yet that you think are worthy of some attention for your team or teams, other teams that you might be following, please let us know about those. And it could be that we take you up on that because we, we have in the past. Yeah. We've, we've had people say, you know what, you guys, have, you, you should pay attention to this guy. And then we do. And they've, they've turned out pretty darn well. Yeah. And if you haven't been listening that long, you might want to stick with like younger guys because that's less likely that we have picked them by now. But we really do appreciate the hookups. Yeah. <laughs> should I tell them where to, where to give those hookups? Yeah. Well, can, can we find another way to talk right. about that? Are your recommendations, also your corrections, because sure. cl- clearly we appreciate those, see the whole rocker situation <laughs> above. Where can people find us? So I please know. find us. Uh, talk to us. You can talk to us on Twitter, X, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's still NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram are No Crying in B-Ball. And you can uh, keep us afloat on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying and b-ball. And we would super appreciate it. We've got a lot of really lovely patrons that really you guys tell me tell me what else we should be putting on there. We're we're really good with change in the in the glove compartment, whatever you have, but if there can be several of you doing that, that would really help us get toward break even. And this does not include beer. So if you want to keep us well, um, oiled as well you well, could, well oiled right yeah, that's you it. could keep that's something it. else in wow yes for yeah. sure if you haven't gotten your booster yet what are you waiting for my friends please send your game balls to meredith fight the man it's the right thing to do and until next week say good night potty mouth good night potty mouth So that um, took me an extra moment because I went in to get my glass and my glass wasn't in the same place. And so I said to Mr. Potty Mouth, where's my glass? And he's like, oh, I moved it to the sink. And I'm like, you really thought I was done with it? Like, you should have run it to me. What do you mean you put it in the sink? Do you know me? It's only one time and it's <laughs> Sunday. I mean, for God's right. sake, this is prime beer time. We're about to do a podcast. Yeah. This is, all right. This is beer o'clock, if there ever was a beer o'clock.